From Relay FM, this is the Pen Addict, episode 220. Today's show is brought to you by the Pen Chalet. My name is Mike Curley, and I am joined, as always, back from San Francisco, Mr. Brad Dowdy. How are you, Mike? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. There was a left my heart joke in there somewhere, but uh, uh, I think that's yeah. a little played out. Yeah, yeah. Do you know, there was probably something more that I could have done, you know? Like some, <laughs> you know, like, there, was, there was probably some kind of, like, pen-related joke that I could have thrown in. Yeah, yeah. I'll let you so we are, we are the masters of the pen pun, but uh, we, we'll try to save them for later. Yep. So uh, you're back now. When did you get back from San Francisco? It's pen got- show season. I feel like we've been talking about a lot of pen shows recently. Yeah, yeah. It's been a busy... I don't know, last four months or so. Uh-huh. So I got back um, Monday night, about a little after 10 p.m. So, you know, that time change is always uh, always sketchy, but uh, it's actually easier for me on the way back. I out Going out when I lose three hours, you know, I'm always up at five o'clock in the morning, even if I don't go to bed until like one o'clock in the morning. So out there. So that uh, that always throws me for a loop. But just in general, yeah, the, uh, the travel was great and uh, got back uh, late Monday night and... Uh, tried to get caught up on most everything yesterday on Tuesday and then a little bit more this morning before the podcast just trying to trying to get it all back back together again it's always hard coming back because you know just like, like I dump my bags out and there's crap everywhere and you know just getting yeah. back into the groove of the blog and the show and everything so but it's good it's good I uh, I felt good around yesterday afternoon it's like okay I'm not totally buried I think I can do this so tell me about your San Francisco experience. I think the thing that I'm most excited to hear about was your visit to JetPens. <laughs> yeah, so I snuck in a, a stealth trip um, to JetPens. Once they found out I was coming, um, they they really wanted me to get me get me down there, and I could not have been more excited because when I work for them, you know, I worked for them for almost a year. I think it was like 11 months and change. And I never traveled out there. So I never met anyone in person that I ever worked with at JetPens. It was all through Skype and FaceTime and whatever we did. Um, so that was like right out the gate. That was going to be like a super highlight of mine. And we took it right from the airport. I landed in San Francisco, got in an Uber and went to JetPens offices in San Jose, which only took about 45 minutes. It wasn't that bad of a trip. And it was just a blast. You know, I, I got to meet Shu, who's one of the one of the original three founders, the other two are, are out and about, you know, mm-hmm. doing other things. Uh, you know, actually they were, one was in New York and one was in Korea <laughs> at the time. So, uh, I didn't get to meet everyone that, uh, I was with, but, uh, you know, I've worked with Shu for years and years and years and she was amazing. She gave me the tour and, uh, they have a great setup now and they have tons of employees and they have a cool office and, um, you know, their warehousing, is is really neat it's big and it's super efficient and it's organized so well and with that many items that they carry so much stuff right i mean it's it's just endless you know they can they can launch a new product like a brush pen and that brush pen will have 70 colors and then that just goes right in with everything else what they just they have i can't even imagine i didn't even ask the numbers but just thousands and thousands and thousands of SKUs. um you know everyone's picking and packing and orders flying out the door while, while we're there so um it was just a good experience and um of course got to meet elaine who writes owl inc um she's my main contact there these days and you know i talked to her a bunch about the blogging stuff and about new products coming in and what we're going to talk about and things like that. So it was awesome to finally meet her. And, uh, you know, I got to see their whole 
photography setup and video setup and marketing department and so customer service. So do they have service. like a huge warehouse and it all comes from there? That's how it's done with JetPens. Like they, they yeah. ship everything. Yes, they ship everything. It all comes from there. It's all all picked and shipped there every day. So, you know, and it's a I don't I don't even know how much square feet it is. It's not like um like you say huge warehouse. It's not like as big as maybe you would imagine, but it's very very large, you know. Hmm. But it's like it but it's almost but it's like in a uh in an office park type of thing, you know. Right. Okay. With okay. other offices in there in the same in the same, you know, facility. They're not their own facility, if that makes sense. And how many people do they have? Like picking oh, this? Oh gosh. I don't know. A bunch. A bunch. Just it was yeah. a lot of people in there. The, yeah, a good amount of people there. Yeah. So um but it was just cool. And, you know, always get to see new stuff and it's just cool being around all those pens and paper and, you know, Shu and I were joking about her desk, you know. Um, you know, it's just piled high with stuff she needs to, you know, be testing out or trying out, see if they're want to, you know, want to order. And I'm like, yeah, that's how my desk looks at home with all the stuff I get from them. Just figuring out what I'm going to do with it and when I'm going to review it and all that stuff. But, uh, and that sounds like one of those dream jobs, right? Oh yeah, totally. Right. <laughs> I mean, just, just being in that vi- environment is cool. It's cool. So, you know, heck, that's why I jumped at the chance to work at them, work for them, you know, back in the day. People that might not know, right? Like, back in the day, like, when we started this show, Brad worked doing marketing for Mm -hmm. Mm Japan's, and you kind of transitioned out of that. Um, Mm -hmm. I can't remember how long it was into the show um, to go back to kind of the night shift work. But, yeah, it was. it's funny to think back now, and, like, if you listen to some of the early episodes of the show, and as always, I encourage you not to, uh, because of how terrible we sound, but there is a lot of. <laughs> but if you can get over that, there is a lot of really great and interesting content in our back catalog, as we've mentioned many times in the past. Uh, but at the end of some of the earlier episodes, we had to play like a like a little disclaimer, didn't we? That you were employed right. by JetPens and it didn't inform or change your views on anything. Right, right, and it still does, and it it still doesn't. But now that I'm not officially working for them, we don't have to do it anymore. I just do it on the blog now. <laughs> My disclaimers. Do you have yeah, disclaimers there? I just say, you know, like if, you know, always where if we get the product um, for free or discounted. Ah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I say but, that kind of stuff on But we don't really we do, do any reviews like of that kind no, on this show, no, do no, we? No, no, And it's weird now. The longer you you do that, the less, you know, the more, um, you know, people understand where you're coming from and you don't necessarily have to do that. But there's always new listeners, new readers and and coming in so you always have to have those disclaimers and i guess yeah. it's legalities too so you kind of kind of have that stuff out there but um it's all good yeah but I, I forgot i actually forgot about that disclaimer when i was working for jet pens we totally had to do that <laughs> so what else happened on the san francisco visit did you enjoy san francisco in, in general no because i mean yeah, yes but we weren't in san francisco so i said no because i never actually made it into san francisco does that make right. sense is this like how the dc pen shows not in dc Completely. Right. So we're a good 30, 40 minutes from San Francisco proper. So we weren't in San Francisco and I would have loved to have gone to San Francisco. So, you know, maybe next year when I'm hopefully doing it for knock, I can build in what that one extra day or two extra days, you know, to in particular towns, I wouldn't be able to do it all the time. But, you know, like it's funny when I went to Chicago and when I went to San Francisco, I'm a huge baseball fan, right? So they have two of the best ballparks in the country that I've never been to. So Chicago has Wrigley Field and um, San Francisco has AT&T and they're just beautiful. They're like the 
like if you did a ranking of the 30 ballparks, they're probably between both of them. They're probably like top three. Um, and both the times I was in town, my team was playing the home team. So the Atlanta Braves were in Chicago when I was in Chicago and in San Francisco when I was in San Francisco and I couldn't make it to a game. That's like a, you know, a kick in the, you know, where like Mm -hmm. that's, that was hard, but you know, just with the timing of it, you know, it would never ever work out in a million years that I could get to it. So I'll have to figure out if I make it to those, even if the Braves aren't playing, like when I travel, I want to be able to go to some of the ballparks. Cause that's like my thing besides the pen stuff is all the baseball stuff. So I didn't get to San Francisco, but like the area that we were at was wonderful. Um, so just driving to jet pens, it's totally like, you know, the Silicon Valley TV show, you know, up from San Francisco to San Jose, you go through mountain view and you know, you go through, uh, Palo Alto and you just see like every huge office building ever, you know, you know, Microsoft, Dell, you know, I didn't get to see Apple's campus, but you know, it's all right there. And the hotel where the pin show was at is Oracle's hotel because their office is, you know, two blocks away and, you know, they have their big America's cup, um, racing boat in the lake in the front of their office building. It's just kind of insane, you know? Oh, how but, strange. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, we were in, uh, what was called a Redwood city. So it's like 30, 40 minutes South of San Francisco, but, um, it was just a beautiful area. Um, hotel was fantastic. The, um, the night we got in. Um, so after, after I went to jet pens, I just, uh, Ubered back to the hotel. That was my first Uber experience too, which could not have been any, any smoother. It was really good. Um, I mean, if anywhere, you know, if Uber's going to succeed anywhere, that's the place it's going to succeed, right? So they have it down to a science there. And you get back to the hotel, meet up with the Vanessas, and um, start seeing everyone Thursday night. We were able to get into the ballroom to start setting up on Thursday night, which we're thankful for because we found out. We didn't realize it at the time, but the show opened at 7 a.m. for weekend pass holders on Friday. That's straight up madness. Yeah. So honestly, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> make any sense that's way too early like who needs 7 a.m especially on a friday so we were kind of nervous about that so we tried to set up everything thursday night so we didn't get finished in the ballroom thursday night until probably around 10 p.m i'm thinking we wrapped it up like we just ordered pizza and ate while we were setting up um because we didn't want to have to do it in the morning um once you get we have so much ink to set up that if we try to do it in the morning and people are coming, yeah. you know, and like we're having to stop, we would never get like into a comfortable place. At least I guess the benefit for you kind of going west is that the time mm-hmm. zone difference, like a 7 a.m. start isn't so tough. Right. Right. Because you were probably up and about a little bit earlier and easier because of that, I expect. Yeah. Except I didn't go to bed until so late oh, Brad. that night. I kind of like. It, it didn't really work in my favor. You need to you need to quit this party animal lifestyle you have. Well, that's the thing you know? is I didn't at all, you know. It was just <laughs> ended up being, you know, like midnight or so before I went to bed. Um, you know, and or like 11:30, you know, which was like I was on like 2 2 in the morning my time by that time. So and then uh yeah, the morning came early, but it was fine. Like I slept fine. Um wasn't too worn out, but yeah, we were down there. I was up at 6 down there before seven and just getting going and um friday was awesome you know it was just really busy which we're starting to figure out like these friday weekend pass 
holders seem to be a bigger deal than they have in the past. You know, talking with Lisa and people who have been to other pin shows, you know, around the country that you're getting a lot more action on Friday than you used to in the past. Um, People are making a weekend out of it, you know, and either coming in Thursday night or coming in early Friday and just mingling around the show and getting an early start. And it's really cool. I mean, it's great to be busy on Friday when, you know, a lot of like the locals are working um, and having people travel and be there and the show activity picks up like really, really well. Do you think that's part in case, like as well as like people making these uh, trips to the shows, it's it's like the issue of scarcity. So like if somebody's going to make the trip, they want to get there as early as they can so they can get everything that they wanted. Right. And that happens uh, a lot of times. You know, a lot of people will get there early and do some early shopping and get the things that they want and then just relax kind of the rest of the weekend and then just mingle and take their time and really soak in the show, really check out all the, all the different vendors and the different goings on. And, um, at this show, there's a lot going on outside of the individual room itself. And the one, one thing about the room that this show is in, this is the first show I've done that's been self-contained into one room. And I kind of like that. Why? What's the difference? I don't know. It just, it's a good vibe when you see it like busy all the time. Not that it's never not busy in other shows where it's broken up between different rooms, but it was just different in a, in a really cool way. Everyone was all in the same place, right? You didn't have to send people to other rooms to find something. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a big room, you know, probably a little over a hundred and something tables. It was really large and, uh, you know, just a big square room and it was just packed pretty much all weekend, you know? Um, and, um, uh, what I was saying a second ago was they have a lot of other activities during the show, lots of classes, um, lots of events at night. So like, that's one of the things I, I, I took away from this show is how they mixed in other things. Um, every show does it, but they do it a little differently. Um, so like we had the pen attic meetup on Friday night, which a lot of shows have been gracious enough for us to do. And then on Saturday night they had a band, you know, they just brought in, you know, like a, a country bluegrass rockabilly type of band, mm. you know, just to play, just for something different for the, um, for the attendees, you know, that kind of stuff is cool. And then, um, you know, all the different classes they had throughout all weekend, you know, it wasn't just like, um, you know, the handwriting classes, it was letter writing classes and a planner meetup and just all like a few different things that a lot of people that listen to this show or read the blog are into, you know, um, there weren't as many repair classes, if you will, how to repair Parker vacuumatic, you know, there was a good wall ever sharp history class. Like I, I wouldn't mind going to that, but, um, you know, there weren't a lot of like every show seems to have the same group of classes and this one mixed it up a little bit, which was enjoyable. So it's like allowing people to maybe do something a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah. Which was great. So, and it brings in, I don't want to say it brings in a different crowd, but it makes like, it gives everyone in attendance something to maybe do outside of the show if they are interested. You certainly don't have to do those things. But um, a lot of people were making plans around the classes, you know, that are going to be there Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, where they're going to mix in. They're not going to hover around the ballroom all day. They're going to get into one of those classes or sometimes three or more, you know, things like that. So it was just a good setup overall for a show, show very comfortable, good room. Um, 
good vibe the whole weekend. Uh, the promoters, you know, had it, you know, very under control. They weren't running around like chickens with their head cut off, which, you mm-hmm. know, that's the, the planning that goes into it. They did a, a really good job. Everything was uh, taken care of. It was nice. So what did you buy or what did you see that was maybe a little bit new or different? Was anything catch your eye? I know it's only just been a couple of weeks since the last one, so I wouldn't imagine too much. Yeah, so that's that's pretty accurate. Um, as far as like new and different, I didn't see anything that I was totally, you know, that I that I haven't really seen on another show. Right, pretty much everything was there. I did get to meet uh, Steve Kernow of uh, Kernow Bookbinding, who does the Back Pocket Journal, which is the one of the first Tomoe River journals. He actually was out there um, because he's from California, so I got to meet him for the first time. So that was cool after talking to him and and using his um, books and and notebooks and things like that. So that was cool, and that was different because I got to see like his full setup instead of like just what Lisa Van Ness was carrying. So that was kind of cool. So you get to meet people like that, um, that don't travel to a lot of other shows. That's kind of their local show, if you will. Um, so that was neat. Um, outside of that, I'm trying to think if there were anything different. They're not really, um, you know, um, a lot of vendors you don't normally see, but with, you know, still kind of the same, the same setups as you would expect. So I didn't have anything like you were talking about. I didn't have much to, I certainly didn't have a shopping list. Um, after DC, I, you know, I'd, I'd spent a lot on two pens that I really, really had always wanted. Well, the Omos 360 was one I had always wanted. The Optima one, Optima was new on my radar. And if I didn't buy one in DC, I would have bought one in San Francisco for sure, because I, I just kept using them and, and playing with them. And I really enjoy that pen a lot, but I had always wanted to purchase a pen from Ryan Krusak, who is from Georgia so I see him at all the shows. I talk to him all the time and he does a few different pen styles. A lot of them are based around wood. Um, and then he does some scrimshaw pens and then he does some hand painted pens. And this is all his own artwork. You know, the scrimshaw work he's mm. doing himself, the hand painting work he's doing himself. And I've always liked the look and aesthetic of them, but the majority of pens I haven't cared for the grip section that he used. He uses a thin, thinner than what I consider a standard grip section. So, you know, I always, I check out his stuff every show and look at his stuff every show and never come away with anything because I don't think I would use it um, because of the grip section, but everything else about the pen really, really speaks to me. So in DC, he came up with a new model. Um, It's called the legend, which is more I don't want to say standard, but it definitely has a more normal section. So it's got an ebonite section of a standard width like you would normally see. And the shape of the pen is like the Nakaya Piccolo that I like so much, that standard mm-hmm. cigar, cigar shape with a little bit tapering on the end. You know, that's a very common design, but it's a design that I like a lot. And so he came and they're clipless which I really enjoy. So a lot of his pens have clips, which I'm not opposed to clips. I'm just saying I, I like that uh, aesthetic. I'm good with a non clip aesthetic. And these are at a lower price point than a lot of his stuff. Like the scrimshaw stuff is beautiful. It's just expensive. Uh, same with the hand painted stuff. It's just beautiful, but expensive naturally. Yeah. Yeah. As it should be. Right. So 
I saw Ray from uh, Fountain Pen Quest pick one up in DC, and I was just kind of too busy. I didn't get to talk to Ryan much in DC, but he was with an eye shot of us in uh, San Francisco. So I strolled over there on Saturday to see what he had, and he had, I don't know, about six or eight of these uh, left. And just looking at the wood patterns and the finishes on them. Yeah, they seem to be like the real design is focused around the wood grain. It is. And he prides himself on finding these exotic patterned woods to really show off the wood grain. And there was one particular pen that out of like the eight or so that he had on the, on the table that I kept grabbing the same one over and over again. I was like, well, I guess I'm buying this one because I keep grabbing it and I can't put it down and we'll, we'll put a picture in the show notes and I'll, I'll shoot it over to the uh, chat room. But my pen is actually the one, two, three, fourth one from the top. So it's a Mexican bocate wood. So it's like the yellow and black one. Yeah. And it's got all the swirls in it. Um, he was, um, you know, he talked this one up a bunch, you know, about how he got this wood. And, he, you know, he's got a friend in Atlanta that has a wood shop. And when he gets rare, unique stuff that he can't use, even if it's small pieces, um, he'll get this guy to uh, give him a call and he'll run down and pick it up. So we got these two. So the top one was already gone out of these two. So the third one down with the smaller swirls in the cap, mine has the swirls in the barrel. So mine, um, it, it's... It's just really cool. It's very, very light, um, and it has an ebonite section and a steel nib, um, and it's got Ryan's stamp on the nib, which is which is very cool. It, everything about this pen is like right up my alley. Um, I it is a little light, but I think that's good because I'll be able to pocket it and carry it easily. Mm-hmm. Like it's not heavy. Um, it's not going to get in the way, and I've really enjoyed using it, and the the feel of it is is really really cool, and. Um, you know, the set in the sections right on the money. So I inked this up when I got home and, uh, and, uh, I've been using it a bunch actually. So I'm, I'm very happy with this pen. And one thing, one thing Ryan does, which every time I screw it on, like he really focuses on with these patterns, you can tell he lines them up, right? You can even see it in the picture of the one that I've got, like the swirls and the, the knots and the wood line up when you close the pen which is really, really cool. You don't want to see that stuff, you know, all, all misaligned. So he, he definitely takes the care to turn them in the right way. So they, they end up uh, lining up when you screw on the cap. So it's nice. Attention to detail, my friend. I like that. That that is and everything. And even, so not just that lines up, but also the most, um, what would you say? Almost like the most showy part of the pen, like the the prettiest part of the pen where all the swirls are, like the barrel side, mm-hmm. that's also lined up to where you grip the pen. So that's on the top, right? So that's not the part hidden underneath on the cusp of your hand when you're writing. You get to so see you the get fancy. To see the real benefit. Yeah, you get to see the fancy when you're writing. So like it's uh, everything about it. It's like set up perfectly. So like like that's those are the things he considers when he's when he's making these pens and uh, you just can't help but be impressed with, with that work. And I was impressed enough to, uh, to buy this one and take it home. So I finally got my first Ryan Crusack pen after about, I don't know, two or three years of, uh, of talking with Ryan. Huh? So, and these are, um, these are cheaper than most of his pens, but right. it's, yeah, I think this one's two ninety five. So, I mean, I say cheap, but it's relative. I mean, he has pens that, you know, run a thousand dollars or more. Um, so this was, you know, it didn't really matter the price, 
you know, it was just whether a pen was going to fit my style, my needs, my aesthetic, the way I write, what I look for in a pen. And, uh, this just happened to be the one. So I was super excited to get him. And I think he, uh, he sold most of this model while, while he was there at the show talking for him. I didn't get to talk to him when he left, but, uh, I know at one point he just had a few of them left. Looks like a nice buy. What, what's, what nib is in there? Uh, a steel extra fine nib and they look like just uh, the Joe nibs. And this one is hard as a nail, which I, I really like. So uh, I'm digging it so far. And I inked it up with pilot Orochizuku Sukiyo, which is kind of a, a bluish, bluish ink. And uh, actually I wasn't sure what I was going to ink this one up with. You know, I usually get a little bit matchy with my pen barrels, but I didn't want uh, a brown or sepia ink in this or black. You could have a good a yellow in there though. Yeah, think, that could be that could work nicely. Yeah, I could definitely see that. So, good looking man. Anything else? Yeah. So the next pen was kind <laughs> of um a happy accident. This is one of those things you go to a pen show for. It's definitely so. Dana trios have been on on my radar for years, right? Because they have that Arushi look like the Nakayas. And I don't know if it's uh Danny trio or Danny trio. I don't know. I kind of go with Danny trio because I like saying Danny. So I just, as a short, uh, short form of the word, but they're, um, Arushi lacquered pens mm-hmm. and they, all the ones I've seen in the past, they're really beautiful. I've almost bought one several times. They're all very expensive and they're all, somewhat on the large end of the scale as far as length and width of the pen. This one, I just happened to stumble. This was a guy who had two folders of pens out, right? You know, those big 48 count, you know, folders, zip folders that you just open up and display. So that's all. That was his entire show. He was like sharing a table with someone, had two of these laid out on the table, and that was it. Why do people do that, Brad? Well, he wanted to sell some pens. Is he like? Do you think this is what this person does, or they just had some pens they wanted to sell and just grabbed the table? I think he was just a guy who was a collector and had some pens he wanted to sell and has a table. Yeah, I don't think this is what he does. Okay. So, um, yeah, so this is my Danny Trejo pen, which uh, we definitely uh, we enjoyed. uh, Yeah, so So I have to get the joke is there is an actor Danny Trejo, right? And he's who's amazing, who you will recognize because he's been in everything. You know exactly who he is. Yeah, he is a really great kind of. uh, He's been he's been a leading role in a bunch of things, but he's a really great like supporting actor or like a a a character actor. Yeah, he's a great bad guy. He's one of the more famous bad guys around. Yeah. Um. And sidebar to that, um, Joey Feldman was there um, with us at the Van Ness booth most of the weekend. We'll talk about that more in a second. But he has a an image, uh, a drawing of uh, Danny Trejo, which uh, is awesome. Uh, so I might have to do something for this pen, maybe Danny Trejo holding a Danny Trejo or something like that. So, yeah, um, well, I told Joey we'll work on that later. <laughs> but anyway, I, I ran across this pen and I'd never seen... It's a skinnier Danny Tre- Danny Trejo. God, I must say that the whole rest of the show now, but that's okay because I enjoy it. It's a skinnier Danny Trejo than I've seen in the past. Like I haven't seen this model around, and when I say skinnier, it's actually a normal sized pen, 
most of the Dana trios are larger than what I would consider a normal size pen. So this is like their smallest, skinniest model, but it's actually a completely normal sized pen. It's about the size of a Pilot 823, in fact, which I don't think many people would consider a small pen. Um, it's just got that shape and that length. It just doesn't have the huge bulkiness that a lot of Dannys have. <laughs> You think this you could just gonna, slide that in, right? I, I, I didn't. That one didn't. That was not on purpose. Okay. That that a lot of times I do say those things on purpose. That one wasn't. I promise you. Okay. <laughs> and there's probably going to be more. But um, so this uh this Dana Trio that it also caught my eye because it's purple, and you don't see that color like in uh, a Rushi lacquer very much. It looks like a blue. Uh, very deep blue, but it's got a lot of purple when you put it in the right light, which is um, a color I really, really enjoy. It's something you don't really see. Um, and it's got a gold clip and a, a gold nib. And one of the things about these shorter ones is it has a number five nib. So it's a gold nib, but it's got the smaller nib in it. So I didn't know a lot about this pen, but once I asked him the price, I knew I was going to buy it without even researching it um, because I felt like it was a fair price. So I went and looked it up online. And it turns out this model is called the Hanryo, H-A-N-R-Y-O. And I don't see that it's currently being made. So, or at least it's not made, it's not sold by the vendors who normally would sell this. So it's probably still being made. Um, you just have to look in the right spots, but like nibs.com in the U S sells the Dana trio. And I don't think they carry this model anymore because it's the little bit of a smaller model, but, um, I love the color of it. Um, I love the nib of it. I love the artist's signature on the grip section, which I posted a picture of, um, on my Instagram last night, this is, this is like a totally Brad, you know, Japanese pen, right? This is the one. And, uh, it's very, very cool. Um, yeah. The signature part is, is amazing. It's really, really amazing. Yeah. What so a again, touch. yeah, this Arushi, it's, it's a lighter weight pen, you know, Arushi over Ebonite, it's a lightweight pen, but this is what the style that I like, you know, the Nakayas, it's the same shape, same style. Um, I definitely have a style that I enjoy using, and yep. this is a pen that I just happen to be wandering around. Uh, Danny Trios are always on my radar, and I almost bought one in D.C., but I didn't because um, it would have blown all my budget. It was over twice of what I paid for this one, and um, so I, think I paid $550 for this one. I'll just say it out there because just to give people an idea of what these pins go for. That's actually all the ones in DC that I was looking at were over a thousand. Um, so I felt that even though it's smaller, it was a really good price and it looks like I got a good price on it. Just looking at what they normally go for. And it looks brand new. It was inked before, but I mean, there's not a flaw on it. You know, it has all the box and papers and all that stuff. So I was, uh, pretty ecstatic with that purchase. Um, just because i came upon it randomly you know you just found it essentially in a pile of pens mm -hmm. so um you know and he had lots of great stuff actually i, I could have bought another he had a bunch of omases i liked but i didn't want to spend any more money so you know that was that was those two pens capped me off but i was so happy with them like i didn't i wasn't jonesing for any other pen you know you get in a pen show like that and you're in a room with a hundred vendors or a hundred tables 
and you just can't help but kind of go a little bit wild. Like you're just, well, just one more thing or I'll just get this thing. I've Um, been there. Yeah. Yeah. And I bought both of those. I didn't buy anything on Friday. I bought both of those on Saturday and I really didn't even look at anything on Sunday. Hmm. Like I was, I was good. I was super happy with those two pens and, uh, that was it. That's all I needed. I was, uh, I, I thoroughly, thoroughly, uh, enjoy both of them so far. Got them inked up and, uh, I, I'm very happy with my, with my, uh, with my purchases. Good stuff. Anything else on the show, on the pen show? Yeah. One more thing. Yep. Um, Joey Feldman was there and he was my roommate for a couple of nights and he's awesome. And he did artwork. Um, I don't know if you know this or have heard this, but he bought a Mont Blanc 149. So, uh, I just wanted you to be aware. It's a really amazing, amazing pen. And, uh, he's a wonderful guy and he did some artwork. There's some pictures of us. I, I took, um, you know, doing a, um, doing artwork for Van S at the show and, had these prints done by Skylab Letterpress, which is Anna's husband. And he was adding some color to them for anyone who, who made like a purchase over $50 at the Venice table. And it was just so cool. Everyone was so excited to see him and, and watch him do his thing. And I just wanted to thank him for giving us uh, some prizes to give away at the pen addict event on uh Friday night, which went really, really well. And, um, yeah, that was pretty much it. It was just cool having him around, hanging out with him. And uh, he bought a Mont Blanc 149, which you should know about. Why should I know about it? Yeah, you just should. It's an impressive pen. It's a 149. I'm looking at it right now. I, I don't know if there's some, if I'm missing something here. Like, yeah. What about the 149? That, Joey bought one. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. What are you doing <laughs> to me? You should just know that. That's all. All right. It's an so- amazing pen. Okay. All right. Why do you, you freak me out with these things? I never really know what you're talking about. I'm sure this will come up later. Right? This is what I assume. Some point later in the show, this will come up. Right? I guess. I don't even know. I'm looking at pictures of it right now. And that, yeah, yeah it is a great looking pen. I like the little uh, ink window. Yeah. 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 So, uh, anyway, it was just to wrap wrap up the uh the san francisco pin show um if i'm coming to the west coast and bringing knockout there it's we're going to san francisco killer show killer promoters they do it right they were super helpful for all the pin attic stuff um that we did on friday night the the people and the vendors and everyone i met out there were nothing short of amazing you know i talk about like every show I've been to most of them anyway, get uh, these glowing, glowing recommendations. But um, this was, this was definitely a, a wonderful show. And um, if you're anywhere out there on the West Coast or want to make a trip, um, I, I would highly recommend going to the show. It was just fun. It, from top to bottom, it was fun. You know, I know every night I am just dead, tired, and exhausted. So, you know, you've been busy and so you know it's a good show. So, yeah, it was fantastic. So, I will be back to San Francisco hopefully next year. Awesome. This week's episode is brought to you by 
the Pen Chalet. You know the Pen Chalet. They're the company that have all of the pen goodness that you're looking for. They have all of your favorite brands, and they sell authentic, amazing rollables, fountain pens, ballpoints, mechanical pencils, and so much more. They're having great discounts and great specials twice a month. They have closeout specials every two weeks, and this coupled with their very fast and reliable service make Pen Chalet an obvious choice for you to look at for your next stuff. So if you find a pen that you like online, just go see if Pen Chalet have it, because they have have great shipping. They do free shipping and also over $50 in the United States. And they also sell internationally as well. They have great shipping rates. They have their 100% satisfaction guarantee. So just go to Penchalet and see if they've got it because you can also get that beautiful 10% off by going to penchalet.com. You click the podcast link at the top of the website and use the password penaddict. You'll get your code there to get 10% off anything at the Penchalet. Brands like Monteverde, Pelican, Lamy, Pilot, Namiki, Sailor, Caveco, they're all there. And many more, and uh, Ron is always adding new stuff. He's always got new and exciting things over at the Pen Chalet. And when you do go there and you hit the podcast link and you enter the Pen Addict password, you'll also see this week's special offer, which is the Fisher Space Pen. Oh, so nice. We spoke about the Fisher Space Pen last week, right? When we um, were, talk- were talking about the ones that Relay FM have made for, for our hosts. And Ron thought that why doesn't he offer the, sp- the Fisher Space <laughs> Pen as well, which is a great idea. Uh, Whoa, the Fisher Space Pen is, I think, the ultimate everyday carry pen because the thing is basically indestructible. Uh, it's tiny. You can put a little clip on it. And also, you uh, you, it will, it, you can write in any orientation. You can write upside down, right side up. It doesn't matter. And maybe if you want, you can engrave your own Relay FM logo on it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> go crazy. Uh, I heard Brad say a moment ago, whoa, look at that price. I, we actually can't say what the price is. Are you serious? It, because it's so special. It okay, happens every cool. now and then. So sometimes there are so, really, really good discounts, and the discounts are so good, we can't talk about them. So you want to go and see it. So go to penchalet.com, hit the podcast link at the top of the website, use the Panatic password, you'll get in, you'll see the great price that we have on the Fisher Space Pen. This is a pen that everyone should have in their arsenal. If you don't have one, you really need one. It's just a great pen to have at hand. So go to penchalet.com right now. There's also a bunch of other deals, as always, that you can uh, cast your eye over thanks to uh, the great fine folk over at Penchalet. Thank you so much, as always, to the Penchalet for supporting this show and Relay FM. One one other uh, mention of one of the things they have in their um, deals for us is the Sale Astoria Pigment and Ink. So people ask for a color pigment and ink that's permanent. Uh, the sailor story is the way to go. It's not for everyday normal fountain pen use, but if you're looking for a pigment and ink and you use it in a pen that you're going to clean out regularly, it's a really, really good deal. Um, so yeah, there's that. But, um, related to your, our Fisher, uh, space pen, that was kind of a uh, good timing there because I made a podcast appearance on gear geeks live, which is our friend, Tony from everyday commentary. Um, I've been on their show before. He asked me to come back and talk tactical pens mm-hmm. and, you know what the uh why that is a thing what is a tactical pen <laughs> that's you should listen to the show mike i uh, maybe i will <laughs> it's i mean tony and i are on the same page and we essentially think they're a joke you know they're it's not really a thing it's just a, a marketing thing for an expensive metal pen with all kinds of gaudiness um added to it that is really not functional but we talk about the fisher space pen a lot and pens that use that refill most of the tactical pens use the fisher space pen refill but um we actually talk about pens that 
um, we enjoy that use the Fisher Space Pen refill, which neither of us consider tactical pens. So listen to it. It's hilarious. It's just, uh, um, this is like if me and Tony were like saddled up to the bar and having a couple beers conversation. Um, it's just real fun. I mean, it probably takes us like 15 or 20 minutes to even get into the topic, but we have some, um, we have just some, some good things we, we riffed on and we got on the tactical pins and, uh, the, by the end of it, we had to wrap it up because we were just laughing too hard at the bro jewelry that, um, that Tony wanted to talk about, you know, when you get into these gaudy knives and, and skull bracelets and stuff that some of these guys were selling, we just kind of went off on a tangent there. Um, but it was a, it was a fun episode and, uh, you should listen to it if you want to, if you want to laugh. All right. So I have a conundrum. Yes. So this is something that I'm afraid everyone's going to hear about for a long time, but I'm moving. Hopefully we're close. No way. We're close. No way. We're close. So hopefully we're going to be moving soon. Um, So as part of that, I need to think about moving my gear, all my pens, all my paper, Mm -hmm. all my inks. I need to think about this. Mm -hmm. And then also, once we moved, I want better solutions for storing this stuff. Um, Right now, it kind of feels like it's not optimal. And the system that I got hasn't hasn't really scaled very well. So I wanted some suggestions from you uh, as to how might be a better way for one for me to sort move this stuff like when you've ever moved or you know, mm-hmm. some, yeah I remember you moving while we were doing this show right yep yep um, how did you make sure that everything was good and how do you move like boxes and boxes of notebooks properly um, and then kind of what storage systems shall I be considering going forward. So the moving stuff is easy, but I think it's going to be tough for you because as we were talking about before the show, you just mentioned in passing that you're not actually going to have a car to take things from place place to place. And I always want to move things like my pens and inks myself, right? I don't want those in the mover's hands. Notebooks, I'm fine with. You can pack up the notebooks in a box, you know, just make sure it's packed tight, make sure it's padded. And the movers, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hesitate for them to move like notebooks and paper goods. Pens and inks are a little bit different story because they just may not kind of get it. Like what's in there. You, they're going to treat every box that you have written on fragile the same, right? And which means they're probably not going to give a rip (laughs) about your fragile designation um, if you are using a mover. So I would find a way if at all possible to move those pens and inks yourself. Um, even if you have to rent out a car for a day, borrow a day, I would really, I mean, I think you're going to get to the point where that actually might be a feasible thing for you to do for a day. Um, just so you can move those very important things that you don't want broken. You don't want other people's hands on and pack them up yourself and kind of, you know, keep them from this, uh, aside from everything else, just so you can move them yourself. That's, that's the biggest thing in in my opinion. I mean, sometimes it's unavoidable, um, you know, moving ink, you know, the bottles are heavy, the box is heavy. You know, you add 20, 30 bottles into a box. You're kind of playing with fire there, no matter how good you wrap them up. Um, there's, there's liable to be some damage. So whatever you can do, I would figure out a way to move them yourself. 
Yeah, I'm thinking that what I'm what my ideal would probably be would be to do something where the paper is moved, and, and you think it's fine to just put it put it all in a box, right? Because mm-hmm. isn't that going to be real heavy? You just don't. It's just like whatever. What do you, you think that right. just just throw it all in boxes like it's going to be yeah. fine? All yeah. right, and then the pens. Like I will put some stuff in boxes, mm-hmm. um, and I'm going to put my expensive stuff in a bag that will be on my person. Yeah, like my re- my really special pens, like the things that mean the most to me, they're not going to be handled by anybody other than me. Right. Cindy in the chat room actually has a very good idea. Since you were talking about packing suitcases with your clothes, you could intersperse some of the ink as you go in there. Yeah. That would be yeah. pretty easy. They're not going to get um, banged around. They'll be padded well. And you don't have to overload it. You don't have to do it all at once. Yeah. But so, I'll just throw it all in a Ziploc bag and put it in, you know, yeah. it should be fine. And I don't have a lot of ink to move. The ink isn't right. so much of an issue for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is how you could do it, right? Right. So when you get there, the storage thing is tough. I still struggle with this. I have a dedicated shelf in a closet that's got like four shelves in it, but it's not very wide. It's probably three, four feet wide. And it's just overflowing, unorganized, you know, inks on one shelf and then kind of everything else is just a free for all. And it's just not a great solution. It's kind of the only solution I have right now. I did just buy some uh, plastic bins to reorganize because it's getting to a point where it's driving me insane. So, so you keep them all in kind of plastic containers, like big mm-hmm. plastic containers, and then they right. go on shelves. Right. But, I mean, what ends up happening is everything sits on top of the plastic containers until I feel like dealing with it, right? So I have a closet with a with bins in it, and then on top of the bins is just stuff, right? Because it's either the bins are full or, you know, all the stuff needs to be organized into the proper bin, um, things like that. So it's definitely a mess. I'm, I want to organize it more. But, um, you know, I'd like to separate some of the stuff a little bit better. Just so when I do get something new and it needs to go into the closet, I can walk in and put it where it needs to go instead of kind of setting it on top of something and dealing with it later, which is what I do. So I get to the point where I just have the junk everywhere. Then I'll go in and take some time and put it where it needs to go, but then I'll just junk it right back up. So need a little bit. I would set up that kind of organization up front to where, you know, ink's going to go here. Pens are going to go here. Notebooks are going to go here and try to stick with it as best as you can. But it, it just depends on the space, depends on what you want to do. Depends on if you want to display anything. Like, do you want to have some pens out? Do you want to have some notebooks out? You know, that kind of stuff. Okay. So I'm thinking about, like, having some storage stuff out. So, like, having some of my uh, Dudak blocks and stuff like I have now. Mm-hmm. But I'm thinking about, like, think finding better ways to store things like field notes and stuff like that. Like I have my two archival boxes, but they're full and mm-hmm. I can't, I don't want to keep buying those cause I'll just end up with way too many of them. So I'm thinking mm-hmm. about getting like a big container to put those in and thinking more about like whatever it is that I end up going with, I pick something that scales. So like go uh, uh, like buy more space than I need, like in boxes yeah. and stuff and, and plan for that because it grows over time. Right. Right. And like I've hit, capacity in where i'm at right now 
So and considering I, I'm kind of building up an office, um, like from scratch, mm-hmm. then it might, you know, it might be, it might, it might work for me. That's actually one of the things that I'm working on doing is moving some of this stuff to my office. Yeah. Um, like all my field notes are just in a bin. Like I've got the, I have like the retail, um, like the little fold, you know, the cardboard display for retail. Like I want to put a bunch in there and put it in my office and just, you know, have like a little setup like that. Um, you know, I have a bunch of pins and cases in the closet that I would like to have displayed or organized better. You know, there's, there's things like that, that I can move out of the closet that I would rather have like in my office, but I just, I just haven't figured all that out yet. You know, I don't have any shelves in my office, um, you know, to put things on. So, you know, do I need to add some shelving, that kind of stuff. I think about it all the time because like my storage right now is a super, super mess. Like I have stuff on top of my desk, under my desk that hasn't even made it into the closet because it can't fit. And it's yeah, I have stuff in like a box under my bed, uh, and I don't want it there anymore. Like I, I want it, you know, I want to be able to move things around and put them in places. And because one of the things I'm going to be doing for my office is I'm, I'm going to be buying a bunch of storage solutions, mm-hmm. and that's just going to be a thing where I can just put a bunch of stuff. Um, right. With pens being something that's going to occupy, you know, a, a selection of that. So this, I was just wondering, like what you do, and it sounds like you have as as many problems as I am. I, I totally do. Okay. Like every every time I think I might have a solution, you know, it ends up being a fail in like a month when <laughs> new stuff happens. Yeah. <laughs> if anyone has any ideas, I'd love to hear them. So like I'm thinking of going to kind of the IKEA route of a bunch of my stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm going to be buying some shelves, and they do these like kind of stackable units that are basically squares like empty squares and you right. can calax that's it crazy bubbles in the chat room has just mentioned it the the, the ikea calax range mm. um is what i'm probably going to end up going with because they're they're pretty expandable um mm-hmm. and they have a bunch of different sizes and you can just put things straight on them like shelves or you can also buy like boxes that can go in them Right. So, like, you can either just have it showing or you can buy a box that fits in this square shelving unit. So, I'm thinking about going this route and, like, it will be a great way for me to have some storage, which could end up maybe being a bit expandable over time. So, this is probably the route that I'm going to end up going with. Yeah, that sounds really good, actually. Something I need to look at. Yeah, so that's, yeah, we're obviously uh, young people these days, new home, we're obviously going to Ikea. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have I'll an Ikea you- near you? Um, in Atlanta, so yeah, I could totally get to it, but uh, I, I've never been, but that would be something that would be useful for me. The one thing I hate about figuring all this stuff out are the pen boxes. They're the worst. They're my enemy. Oh, I uh, very rarely keep a pen box. I know. I used to not, and then, you know, if I wanted to sell something or ship something to someone, well, I kind of feel like, well, I should ship the box, but I really, I, I went through a batch and threw out just tons and tons of boxes, and now I've been, uh, 
uh, keeping them again, but now like all my space for boxes is full and it's just dumb. I hate boxes. I, I hate packaging. I only have like a couple of them that are like super special or nice, but I tend to just get rid of them. Like initially I was keeping them all and like keeping mm-hmm. boxes of, of uh, old products and stuff like computer products and stuff that I bought. And recently I was like, what am I doing with all of these? Like I uh, recently found I have the empty box of every single iPhone ever made. And yeah. I want to get rid of. I'm going to be getting rid of those. Like right. it was funny. I, we were we were going through stuff. I didn't want me to go through stuff, and I started like put, making a pile of things to throw out. And she's like, "Oh, you shouldn't throw those." I'm like, "Why?" <laughs> it was weird. Like it got turned on its head. Where she was yeah. telling me to get rid of empty boxes, and then was making me keep them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah so I, I I a while ago was just like, "This is crazy." Like I'm just I'm just keeping empty pieces of cardboard. Yep. So yeah, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be uh, getting away from that. Um, Crazy Bubbles in the chat room also recommends Muji mm. stuff. I'll, I'll put some links in the show notes to the Muji. You have a stuff. Muji in London? Yeah, we do. We have we have actually a couple. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. But I could I can buy on you can buy online. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I might I might do that. Their, their stuff's good, and I know people really like it. But I'm more of an IKEA person than a Muji person, just mm-hmm. from like an aesthetic. Sure. Because uh, like a lot of Muji Muji stuff is like even this drawing is like thin clear plastic is their kind of thing, and I don't really like that. Um, I like kind of the covered wood that IKEA stuff tends to be. Mm-hmm. That, that's my kind of my. It's a bit more rugged. I don't know. Not that yeah. I'm rugged specifically but <laughs> but uh it, it's just kind a of little amazing. bit more to my aesthetic liking <laughs> well now's your chance right setting up a new place this is I it mean, right i'm like is, i'm yeah. in the perfect position right now to establish something going forward right so no pressure but you got to nail it and leave, got leave room for growth yeah that's it right so right. one of the things that i like about this ikea system is it's, it's expandable yeah. So I could just buy another unit and put it on top, right? Right, right. So that's going to work for me. All right, <laughs> I think that brings us to the end of this week's episode. Yes, uh, sir. If you want to find our show notes for today, head on over to relay.fm slash penaddict slash 220. Thank you so much to the Pen Chalet for sponsoring this week's show. If you want to find Brad online, he is on Twitter. He is at dowdyism, D-O-W-D-Y-I-S-M. He is penaddict on Instagram, and you can find him over at penaddict.com and knock. .co. Anything on the horizon, knockwise? Yes. We'll leave that there for today, I think. Let's put a pin in that. We've got a yes. <laughs> there's, some, there's some stuff happening. It's exciting. Soon. We'll talk soon. Like, very soon. Interesting. Uh, I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. Uh, I don't have any exciting things happening soon <laughs> that that you can benefit from. Uh, we are working on Brad's and my Pen Addict members episode Woo-hoo. also very soon. Hopefully by the time you've heard this, definitely within a few days of this posting. So uh, you can look out for that. Go to relay.fm slash membership to find out more. Become a member. Support the show. We'd appreciate it a lot. Uh, and uh, yeah, that would be really great. And then you'll get a lovely members episode, a special bonus episode of the pen addict for your listening enjoyment we will be back next week for a regular show as always um and then maybe the week after uh we might have a little little special episode planned right <laughs> yeah maybe no pressure, brad <laughs> maybe uh, maybe 
as part of the house buying process. So this yes, is a little yeah. after show for everyone. I might need to fill in a little time uh, in a week or so. So we're gonna we're gonna see. Nothing planned yet. As part of both my house buying process and travel, I might not be around for an episode. So I'm planning to go to XOXO in Portland, but I don't so actually, as we right now, I don't actually know if I'm going. Everything's booked, but mm-hmm. I might have to cancel. And everything's kind of all up in the air right now. So yeah, so he's planning on me if he's not there, figuring out what to do for the show. So so I roll. That's, that's as far as we've gotten. <laughs> yeah, we have a plan. <laughs> plan is in place. But the plan is for Brad to figure it out if you're not here. Yes. Well, I mean, you're not giving yourself enough credit. You've already given me multiple options of things that you want to do. And they <laughs> all have, sound I like have. a lot of fun. But I just haven't started to do them because I can't finalize a date. I can't say, hey, on this date at this time, would you like to do this? And we might not do it. Well, you could just do it. I know. We could. Don't worry about me. Just do it. Like it, that, if you get this is this is completely unnecessary for the show. But if you get that person to agree, just do that episode, and we'll put it out that week, whether I'm here or not. True. How about that? Yeah, people are sick of you, so that's there. Good. You go. So in yeah, in two weeks' time, you can say goodbye to me. Uh, Brad will be uh, replacing me. Yes. This that'll be the second time that that's happened, <laughs> right? Because there was the time when I... Steven's done it once. Oh, did yeah. Just me and, Steven just did Anna it. Just and I did it once, I think. I, th- mm, I think you were going to, but I don't think it, it ended up needing to be. You, um, And you also did that episode with Aziza as well, where she spoke about tasting ink. <laughs> which was a great episode. I was sick. I, it, was, it turned out to be one of the best episodes we ever did. And, and there's uh, kind of um, interesting that you weren't on it. You know... I could just quit, right? And then, <laughs> and then that it's on happen. you. You can't quit me, Michael. Yeah, that's true. We have gone off the rails. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. We'll be back next week. Say goodbye, Brad. Goodbye, Brad.